Morning, church. Friday, I had a dentist appointment. Uh, my dental hygienist now always checks my blood pressure before they begin. Uh, they must think, look at me, think this guy's old. We don't want him croaking right here in the chair. So let's, let's make sure that he's, he's going to live through this. And uh, I, I said to her, I said, of, of course my blood pressure is going to be up. I said, you're about to stick sharp instruments into my mouth. And she was trying to reassure me. She said, sir, you have nothing to worry about. I said, yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how when something happens, we always assume that the worst is going to happen? We always assume the worst. You get a letter from the IRS, and you assume the worst. <laughs> Your child is 30 minutes past curfew. And you assume the worst. You, you discover a bump on your head that you never noticed before. And you assume the worst. Now a lot of people think that worry is some new thing. That it's the result of our high uh, pressure, fast paced lives that we lead today. But the truth is, this is not some modern phenomenon. It's always been a problem. In fact, Jesus had to address it. He had to remind his followers not to worry. And in our scripture today, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us how we can reduce worry from our lives. So let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Matthew uh, chapter 6. And I'm going to start verse 25. Let's hear what Jesus has to say about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the, the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, before we get started, let me uh, say that everybody has stress and anxiety. That's just a part of life. In fact, stress can sometimes be a good thing. It gets you up in the morning, gets you moving, uh, helps you to make uh, decisions. Now, some folks suffer from constant fear and worry. And that can mean sleepless nights, depression. It leaves them weary and unhappy with vague fears, the origin and the cause of which they cannot trace. It's called generalized anxiety disorder, and it can be miserable. 
Now, most of us know what it's like to have an adrenaline rush when suddenly you are frightened. But imagine having that feeling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This kind of anxiety is most likely caused by by uh, a, a chemical, psychological, and environmental factors. This is not the kind of anxiety that Jesus is talking about here today. This kind of anxiety we treat with medication. But Jesus tells us how to deal with worry, and he begins by saying these words, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't worry. And he seems in here to indicate that, that worry is a choice, that we can choose not to worry or to worry. Now, I believe that today, but I haven't always believed that. But a couple years ago, when I was going through a, a difficult time, uh, through the encouragement of my physician and my wife, I decided to see a therapist for a while for my anxiety. And one of the very first things that he taught me was that very fact. You can choose not to worry. And I remember saying to him, I remember saying, I can't do that. How can anybody choose not to worry? That's impossible. It just comes upon you. You have no control over it. And he said, actually, you can. And for about the next six months, he taught me how to do that. And since that time, I've learned that a lot of my worries are trivial. In other words, I spend way too much time worrying about things that aren't really a big deal. I mean, they feel like a big deal until you really start to look at them, and they're, they're, they're not that big of a deal. For example, a couple years ago, Melinda and I were getting ready to, to travel to kind of a dangerous part of the world. And it began to kind of play on Melinda's mind, and, you know, she started imagining all these bad things that, that can happen, and it was causing her some some worry, and finally she just decided, I'm, I'm just going to look at this, I'm going to analyze this, and she said to herself, what's the worst thing that can happen? And she thought, well, death. I could die, which is all, always a possibility. And then she said, okay, what will be the outcome of that? And she said, well, I will spend eternity in heavenly bliss. <laughs> and she thought to herself, that's not so bad. <laughs> See, we, we, we tend to worry about things that have no real eternal significance. And I would say also that most of our worries are a waste of time. Not only does it not add to our life, but probably subtracts a few years as well. And not only that, worry is beneath our dignity. You see, folks, you, you are God's creation. You are made in His image. And it is beneath your dignity as God's creation to spend your life worrying. His plan is that you live life abundant not eaten up with worry. I think sometimes that worry simply reveals a, a lack of trust. You worry about something, and in effect what you're saying is, you know what, this is a situation of which God has no control. God is helpless, and I have to solve this all on my own. And so worry is, in essence, practical atheism. It is living as if there is no God. And so right now you're thinking, oh, great, Pastor, thank you. Now, not only do I have anxiety, but you've also added guilt and shame to my life. <laughs> so you're saying if I, if I was a real Christian, I wouldn't feel this way? And that's not what I'm saying. You know? We pray for God to heal us, and when it doesn't happen, we feel either there's something wrong with us, or that God doesn't care, or God doesn't exist. 
Well, the truth is that prayer is effective, and God does care, and God does exist. But we're not looking at the whole story. You see, the, the Bible is full of stories of, of people who did all the right things and yet still have problems. And the Bible is full of stories of people who did all the wrong things and still ended up in positions of great power and wealth. And so the presence of, of worry or anxiety or any kind of suffering, any kind of hardship, doesn't equal a lack of faith. Being a better Christian does not mean that it all suddenly goes away. That's not what I'm saying. But if I can be honest, some of my worry is in essence saying, I believe that God won't take care of my needs. And therefore, I have to do it all myself. I have to take care of myself in this matter. And I begin to think that it all depends on me. And I begin to take matters into my own hands. And I begin to assume that I have to figure this all out on my own. Summed up in two words, I am plain God. Worry can be plain God. And so God is asking us this morning, can you trust me? Can you simply relax and trust me? And so the first step in eliminating our worry is deciding not to worry. Secondly, we need to be able to trust God for those things that are out of our control. Trust God for those things that are out of our control. In, a, in an issue of ARP magazine, yeah, I get that magazine now, uh, or I read it. They allow me to read it. Readers were asked to respond to the question, what is your strategy for coping with stress? And they had all sorts of things. One person said, I eat a chocolate chip cookie. Anybody, is that your strategy for dealing with stress? Uh, other people said a stiff drink. That's probably even works better, right? Uh, but Don Betts of Oakdale, Minnesota, offered his own unique solution. He said, every January 1st, I give my wife $1, and she worries about everything for the both of us. <laughs> but what if we choose to let God do the worrying? I mean, God's free. He won't charge you a dollar. You know, the thing is, you can't control, anything. You can't control things beyond your control anyway. You might as well let God take care of it for us. It makes life a whole lot easier. Trust God for to take care of the things that are beyond your control. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord. Now that word cast means literally to, to let go, to, to drop. We need to let go. We need to release our anxieties and let the Lord carry those things for us. Some of you may remember David and Jenny uh, Cruz. Uh, some years ago, they were getting ready to leave for their, their missionary tour in Laos, and, and they didn't have all their funding in place. And, and, and David wrote a letter explaining why they had decided to go, even though they didn't have the money to do it. And he quoted from Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. And, and this is what Chambers wrote. He said, our natural inclination is to be so precise, trying always to forecast accurately what will happen next, that we look upon uncertainty as a bad thing. We think we must reach some predetermined goal, but that is not the nature of the spiritual life. The nature of the spiritual life is that we are certain of our uncertainty. Now, I don't know about you, but that goes against my natural inclination. I mean, I am a planner. I live in the future. I'm a guy who likes to have every single step planned for the next 20 years. Ask my family how easy it is for me to change midstream. They'll let you know. I started thinking about 
some Bible characters who faced a very uncertain future. One of my favorites is the story of, 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 of Abraham and Sarah. You know the story. They're in Ur. They've got a nice life. They're respected, influential citizens in their community. And one day God says to them, Abraham, go. Go from your country. Go from your people. Leave your father's household to the land that I will show you. And Abraham says, go where, God? And how's God respond? Don't worry about that. I'll show you. Now, if I'd been Abraham, I'd have said, God, that's not how it works. I need to know where I'm going. And by the way, don't ask me to move to Kentucky. I'm not going there. <laughs> Live there, not going back. And God, I can't leave my family. My parents are getting elderly. Who's going to take care of them? And God, I, I don't want to go. Try to imagine what was involved in obeying this command. Severing everything that he knew. Giving up the comforts and conveniences of, of a world, a modern cosmopolitan city to go live who knows where in a tent. Nevertheless, the Bible says that he packed up and moved because the Lord said, go. So here's what Abraham knew that maybe we don't. And again, it's to be certain of God means that we're uncertain in all of our ways. That we do not know what tomorrow will bring. And for the person of faith, that can actually be a very exciting thing. That we may be uncertain of our next step, of our next move, but we are certain of God. So the bottom line for us today is simply, can we trust God for the areas of life that we cannot control? And are we willing to move forward when God says, let's go? The next thing we need to do in dealing with worry is, is, to, long, is, to, is to be able to put Jesus first in our lives. Uh, back to verse 25. Notice Jesus begins this whole section here on worry with the word, therefore. So we have to go back, we have to look. What, what was he saying beforehand that he had this, this kind of transitional phrase here? Well, we looked at this last week. He said this. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about misplaced priorities. How easy it is to, for us to get our, our values turned around. So worry is an indication of, that I have mixed up values. And so whenever I, I start worrying, it's got to be a warning light that, I, that, I, that my priorities are out of order. That I'm putting more value on, on, on something temporary rather than on something that is eternal. And so I think the starting point is to simply commit our lives to Jesus and let him heal those worries. The Bible says that whenever anybody becomes a, a believer, that the old way of life has passed away and that all things become new, that a new way of living begins. And the old ways of, of responding to life, the habits, the, the thoughts, the destructive patterns of living that have not served us well are slowly changed and you begin to grow into this new way of living. But to do that, folks, you have to stop living for things. Start living for God. And you begin that process by surrender, by surrendering your life to him. And maybe you've never done that. 
Let me tell you, you will never have a peaceful mind free from worry until you take that first step of surrendering your life to Christ. But here's another truth. Even if you've been a Christian for many, many years, I find that you still need to on a daily basis to surrender your life to Christ. That it's that daily process of, of giving him complete lordship of your life. See, the, the reason that I struggle with, with worry and fear and anxiety is because I've let my relationship with God become a secondary priority in my life. Jesus wants him to be the first priority. We've got to align those things up first before we do anything else. So as long as we're loving anything before God, we're going to be victimized by our worry and anxiety. We all have to come to that point in our, in our lives where we decide the number one question in life. Who or what am I going to live for? Lastly, we need to be willing to let go of tomorrow. You see, every week there are two days that you should never worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. We need to focus on today. See, when, when we worry about tomorrow, we miss today's blessings. That's one of the issues that I get that I deal with. I get caught up in what's going to happen tomorrow so I can't enjoy today. You, you cannot solve tomorrow's problems with today's resources. God drilled that into the heads of the Hebrews in, in the book of Exodus. They received enough manna to sustain them how long? <laughs> One day, right? And what happened when they tried to store up more for tomorrow? What happened to their, to their manna? Do you remember? It, it turned rotten. It spoiled. didn't work. You see, God was trying to teach them that 40 years in the wilderness that it's about one day at a time, that we trust him one day at a time. Jesus taught that to us, didn't he, in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day what? Our daily bread, not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, not our yearly bread. He taught us our daily bread. What you need for today will be sufficient for today. And when you get to the problem tomorrow, guess what? God will give you what you need for tomorrow. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we don't plan. You should plan for tomorrow. Plan for tomorrow, but live in today. God wants you to plan. God wants you to set goals. And God wants you to dream about what the future can be. But he doesn't want us to worry about it. You see, we need to give our full attention to each day as it comes to us. Worrying cannot change the past. Worry cannot control my future. All worry does is make me miserable today. We cannot worry about what may happen tomorrow, but we can devote all of our energy to living today for the Lord, to bring him glory. Now, this requires a certain amount of effort on our part. We cannot approach each day thoughtlessly. We have to take a long, hard look at ourselves and ask, what am I accomplishing to the glory of God today? And if we take time out of each day to bring our worries to God, to seek his guidance for our actions, I'll bet most of our worries will begin to disappear. David Page was digging in a workyard one day in Norfolk, England, when he picked up what he thought was an unexploded bomb from World War II. Terrified that if he let go of it, it would explode, he used his cell phone to, to call 
emergency operator. The operator tried to comfort him, said, you know, everything's going to be okay. He said, well, that's fine for you. You're not holding on to a bomb. He called up his family, told him he loved them, issued his last words to say goodbye in case things did not turn out well. Finally, the first responders uh, arrived and, and, and then followed by the Army disposal uh, experts. For four hours, he held on to the cylinder, waiting either for rescue or for immediate death. The drama finally came to an end when they identified the bomb. Turns out it was part of a suspension system for a French car. <laughs> but the question remains, what are you holding on to needlessly? What are you afraid of that's going to explode? Do you know what it is? Last week, Denise Ferguson, one of our members, uh, shared how she was able to let go of her quest to accumulate more things. Today, we're going to see part two as she shares how she dealt with the issue of anxiety and fear in her life. Let's give a listen. I feel like anxiety has really been ever-present. Um, when I was a kid, uh, there was a ton of anxiety. Um, both of my parents uh, had their own challenges. It was a tough environment to live in. Very unhappy people, addiction, abuse, um, all sorts of uh, drug interactions. And, you know, as a kid, I uh, felt anxious about everything, honestly. I didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Often I didn't know where my parents were. Um, eventually had a little brother that I was taking care of, but um, everything was anxiety-producing. But control and response to that anxiety really worked well for me uh, throughout the course of my life. Um, I studied really hard. I got great grades, and that that resulted in me being able to go to an amazing um, Ivy League institution I never would have ever thought that little Denise would have the opportunity to go to and attend with all the amazing people there. Uh, similarly, um, I had a pretty fantastic running career, um, same sort of thing. Uh, a lot of control, a lot of effort, the more I put into it, um, the more everything was okay. Uh, that one in particular took a different turn. Uh, I got so very focused on that, did really well, went to the Olympic Training Center and in the process became severely anorexic and weighed 92 pounds at 5'6", um, you know, struggling. Obviously, it was significant mental issues at that point in time. On paper, everything looked good. Uh, from the outside, everything looked good. All of the people around my family uh, thought that everything was great. Um, but inside, it was not. I had never dealt with any of uh, the spider webs and cobwebs. I had not killed that spider. Um, all of that was still inside. And I was managing it through control of everything around me that was showing up an external achievement that everybody saw as, you know, that perfect little family that was what I was going for. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, I couldn't manage it. I couldn't control it. Um, and it was breaking. And it broke. Um, a divorce came about with... Um, all sorts of very ugly bells and whistles that went with that. 
um, that were awful uh, for everyone involved uh, and for my kids. And uh, in that journey, uh, which was the toughest journey of my life to be back at the beginning at 42, all over again, that was the moment of realization that um, the response to anxiety is not control. <laughs> and I had it wrong for all of those years. When I finally did at 40 some years of age, um, truly get on my knees and surrender and ask for him to lead my life, it was uh, amazing and totally different and resulting in a life currently that still has the past that is back there and all of the challenges that come with that, um, but that feels amazing and so happy and calm um, and so confident that no matter what, everything will be okay. I have never in my life felt like no matter what, everything will be okay. At the heart of our worry is fear. It's a loss of control. And it can be an awful thing, and it can immobilize us. My granddaughter, Ruby, was controlled by fear. Uh, like every child, she had the normal fears of monsters hiding underneath her bed or in the closet. But her fears went deeper. She had an inordinate fear of being alone at night. And so bedtime literally became a nightmare. And to deal with her fear, she began to develop some ob obsessive compulsive behavior that drove her to do certain rituals before bed over and, and over again. She would ask a, a series of ten questions to her parents. She had to, to touch certain things in a sequential order, and the list grew ever longer and longer until bedtime became a three-hour ordeal. But not to do those things caused her great stress and worry. Well, my daughter tried all sorts of things to help, night lights, uh, monster sprays. Evidently, there's a spray uh, to rid your room of monsters, bribes, that didn't work, punishments, those didn't work. A couple weeks ago, Megan and Ruby came up to Lakeside for annual conference, and I knew that Pastor Sue Lee was going to be there. And Sue Lee, as you know, is really gifted in, in healing prayers. And so I, I set up an, a t time for Megan and Sue Lee and, and Ruby to gather. And on Wednesday, they finally met. And, and Sue Lee asked her, she said, Ruby, she said, do you know God loves you? Oh, yes. Do you know God hears your prayers? Yes. And then Sue Lee began to lead her through a, a process of guided prayer. She said, close your eyes and relax. She said, can you see Jesus? She said, yes. She said, what is Jesus saying to you? Jesus is saying, I don't need to be afraid anymore, that I am safe because God is with me and my parents will protect me. Their prayer session lasted for over an hour, and Sue Lee ended up by praying that the spirit of fear would be gone from Ruby. And that night, for the first time in a long time, Ruby went to bed without her three-hour ritual. I know because Ruby and I shared a bedroom that week in our cottage. Ruby was set free from her fear. The change 
has been remarkable. Her family sees it as a miracle. Folks, what, what fear is keeping you up at night? What has you worried? How can you put Jesus' words into actions today? How can we begin to clear away this mess of anxiety and, and stress and fear? How can your life be different? You see, Jesus Christ has made it possible for us to live without worry. There is absolutely no reason to worry anymore. We can be done with it. We actually can make the decision not to worry. So trust God in the things you cannot control. Surrender yourself on a daily basis. Put your life into his hands. And then learn to trust God. Not for the past, not for the future, but for today. This morning we're going to have prayer partners up front. And if you're dealing with anything this morning, we want to have some ministry time and let them uh, have a time to, just to pray with you and to ask God's blessing upon you. Let's, let's be done with this, folks. Let's enter a new chapter in our lives. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Oh, God, you are ever present in our lives. You never, ever leave us alone. You are always with us, even in our times of, of fear and failure. And so help us, even in this moment, to surrender those fears before your throne. Enable us to see and to obey the gentle guidance of your Spirit in every moment of every day. Hear this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.